Welcome to Talking Tuesday. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today we are going to talk about the piece of advice that I wish I had, that I somewhat learned over time, but no one explicitly told me. And this piece of advice actually comes from the Jordan Peterson book, uh, so 12 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos. This is his first, I don't know what you want to call it, mainstream book here. So I actually have his uh, Maps of Meaning textbook. Um, but this is the first kind of mainstream book, and we're going to talk about rule four today. And the reason I'm talking about this is because this is something that I've realized over time, something I have followed, the advice I needed and wanted and have used. And yet at the same time, I don't think many people have realized it. And when I read this chapter in this book, I think it really highlights and kind of shows the importance of this as well. And rule four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. So I think this is huge for quant finance. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this from a different angle. But one of the challenges with quant finance is that the bare minimum standards to break in, to do the job, to even have the skill set to do it uh, is really, really challenging. So... I haven't talked too much about it on this channel, but education is a massive component of this. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of education, but not necessarily college education for everybody. Um, Not going to go into it on this episode here, but often you're not going to get that perfect path, the perfect career, the perfect education. You're not going to have everything laid out in front of you. And for many of you that are listening to this, you're in other countries around the world. So it always shocks me when somebody says, you know, Dimitri, uh, I'm from Panama, or I'm from Honduras, or I'm from, I don't know, Nigeria, or I don't know, Croatia or somewhere. Like They list off a country, and I just think like, in my mind, I'm assuming everybody listening is the most part from the U.S. because I'm from the U.S. And then I'm like, well, there's probably, you know, some people from the U.K. because there's also financial markets in the U.K., And then I'm like, well, maybe there's some people from Singapore, but that's probably it. But it always shocks me on how many people there are globally that actually listen to the podcast that are interested in quantitative finance and machine learning and data science uh, for finance. But I think it's important to realize multiple aspects here. So the first point being, you need to understand the goal you're shooting for. You need to define the goal as detailed as possible. And then also realize that life is messy and you're not going to get that straight, perfect shot um, to that goal here, right? So again, we're going to have an interview here with another guest during the season. I don't know if this episode will come before or after or if they will even agree to come on uh, the podcast. But the lesson I learned from them is that life is never linear. Uh, You are going to have like where you're at, which is point A. You're going to have some goal, which is point B. And you're going to bounce around to get to that goal. And often you might not hit that goal. You'll hit something different from the goal, but you know, every single day you're improving. So as that rule four here with Jordan Peterson talks about, right? Looking at yourself, realizing you are improving, realizing that you're working towards the goal. And my advice for this whole thing is do the best with what you have. And I think this is way overlooked by so many people. Uh, You can come from all kinds of backgrounds, right? I I don't think it really matters which background you come from. Uh, which is somewhat shocking to a lot of people, but this is an American ideology, especially what America was founded on, which is more or less that we believe that no matter who you are, no matter which situation you're in, you have the means to kind of make things happen and you can get there. In the United States, this is very, very true, unlike many other countries around the world. Um, 
But even if you're from some other country and it's very challenging and you have so many hurdles in front of you, I think a lot of people get discouraged and they don't stop to think, what is my best option from this point, right? And my, my story is an example, right? I don't come from a super wealthy Wall Street finance background where, you know, I don't know, my dad or uncle or someone or grandfather, you know, brought me into some fancy firm and handed me a job and made a lot of money. Uh, I, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I worked at a startup firm that my dad was running, but I was like a grunt worker employee, shoveling concrete, cutting rebar, painting buildings, patching and all that. And then I went to college thinking I wanted to be a plastic surgeon specializing in, you know, cosmetics, basically like face and breast based for like cosmetics, not for like, I don't know, functional reasons. And then I, of course I decided, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And I dove into it and I watched a bunch of videos of people being cut open and I was like, nope, can't do this. I can't handle the blood. Uh, I loved cutting things open that were not humans though. So I don't know if I could have made it or not, but I liked cutting open like the frogs and we cut open like a baby shark and we did like, I don't know, tapeworms and all kinds of things. And you extract different body parts and, you know, I don't know, find the anatomy of these different types of creatures here. But when I ended up finishing that up, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I was already working in construction and doing the business. And I was like, well, my body's not going to hold up doing construction over the long run. I really enjoy working with my hands. I don't really know what I want to do. Might as well go to college, right? So I was already in college doing biology. I didn't like that college. I left. Uh, I went back to a state college near my hometown. It's close. It's cheap, right? Why not? And I went for a finance degree because I was working in business. So at this point, I had no idea what quant finance was. I had no idea I wanted to go that route. And then as many of you know the story, right? So my undergrad at Washington State University is not a stellar school. I didn't even know what I wanted to do, but that was what I viewed as my best option. And I wasn't really trying to select like the fanciest, most expensive school here. And so starting in this position, right, you get a finance degree, you go through the motions. I want to be a trader. I want to work on Wall Street. And I'm meeting a lot of people over the years, talking to people, learning. And then in my senior year, final semester, I realized I want to work in quantitative finance. So I go out and apply to schools, apply to all the best schools, right? Because I've read these books. I understand the process here. I've done so much research. I've realized I need at minimum a master's or a PhD in something quantitative. Uh, a master's in financial engineering would perfectly set me up. And of course, you know, I want to go to Columbia or like Cornell or NYU or one of these top programs like Carnegie Mellon, University of Chicago, something like that. And so I applied the only, the top, top schools, right? This is the only path to get there. And of course I didn't get in. And so... I ended up getting in because I applied to my, you know, home school here, Washington State University, for a uh, a master's in applied economics. Again, I had full funding offer for them. It would have been free. I could have went and got a degree, but I knew that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And so, this is where the advice starts coming in, where it's like you need to look at these situations here and start thinking, what is your next best option, right? What are like, how do you get to that point? Right? Because if everything was so easy and wonderful and the world worked in this very linear fashion, uh, I would have realized I wanted to go into quant finance you know, my senior year. I would have applied to top programs. They would have accepted me, given me full rides for free or I don't know, or just accepted me in general, made me pay all the tuition. And then I would have went through the motions, got an internship, landed a job, I don't know, worked at some hedge fund as a trader and life would have been merry and that would have been kind of you know, the end of the story tell here. But the issue is that's not what happened. So 
I looked at my options. I had a full ride at a master's program at Washington State University in economics. That's not what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to go into financial engineering, and I only applied to the top schools, and dumb me thinking I could get in, I couldn't get in. So the decision at this point was, I don't want to go and waste my time at Washington State doing economics if that's literally all I'm going to do. I already knew at that point getting a master's degree in economics could be beneficial, but being in Washington State is so far from New York and Chicago, there's no way I'd be able to bridge the gap to even get over there to find a job. And there's almost no quant jobs in the Pacific Northwest. So I think Washington, Idaho, Oregon, uh, Montana, right? There's not a lot of jobs there. You have to go to like Utah. Seattle sometimes does in Washington, but they're not really quant jobs. They're typically traditional finance. Or if not, you go all the way down to like LA. And at that point, you might as well just go to like, I don't know, Dallas, Texas, or Chicago, or somewhere else. So I didn't have that good of options here. And so I took a year off and I continued to work my startup job, which was a stressful and a real struggle. Uh, I was making peanuts for, for uh, income here, making hourly wages. And often it was, I worked with my family, so we couldn't afford to pay me. So I just didn't get paid for a lot of the time I did. So I made that decision, right? My decision was I needed to do the best thing for me possible. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to apply a second year and get into the same programs. But, you know, maybe I'll throw a few of my dream schools in. But next year, I'm going to be a lot more realistic. So I waited a year and I got in and applied to a bunch of schools. And I got into uh, Claremont University, Harvey Mudd, uh, their financial engineering program with contingencies to take like a math prep course beforehand because I'm a finance student and then doing a MBA on top of it to duel it up together. And I'd be paying, I think, like $100,000 a year for tuition. So not the greatest situation. I'm like, man, I, I don't really know if I want that or not. That's a lot of money. I'll do it, though, if that's my only option, right? I, I need to get the degree. I need to make it happen. Uh, let's see what happens here. And then I waited, and I waited. And then finally, uh, University of Michigan sent me a letter, and I was on a waiting list. I believe that's how it went. And so I waited on this waiting list thinking, I really hope I get in. But I'm like, I hadn't even heard of University of Michigan at that point, right? I knew it existed as a school. I didn't know how good it was. Uh, they were never listed on these top, you know, quant ranking lists. So I'm like, I don't know. And finally, the offer came through. And so at this point, I'm thinking, okay, right, I didn't get into my dream schools the first year. I took a year off. And now I've got into two schools, one in L.A., uh, they're super expensive school or I have to take extra, extra classes. And I've got another offer at the University of Michigan, which I Googled and realized it is a really good school as its own standalone university. Um, and I don't have to take that, but I do get a summer boot camp, which would be very beneficial. So again, what is the best option here, right? Again, I took the University of Michigan offer and I ran with it. And then as many of you know, I didn't even finish my financial engineering master's. So again, going back into these comparing yourself to who you want to be, what goal you're headed for, and trying to make impro improvements, you know, uh, based off of the options you have, right? You're, you're not going to have this dream, easy laid out path for most of us. And so I finished my first semester. I absolutely hated the way the program was ran. I didn't like the people that were running the program. I didn't like some of the professors. Uh, there were a few professors that were amazing that were trying to help the students to do the best they could do but they just couldn't make it happen. And then when the news came out that the program was going to be 
like ended, they were no longer going to have that program with the math department and the business school and engineering all together um, because there was feuds between engineering and the business side and it's a whole mess in itself. I thought about it and thought, okay, so I'm going through the motions with this degree, right? So now I'm gonna have the piece of paper, I'll learn some material, but I don't feel like it's what I really need to learn. I need different material based on the research I've done on courses and descriptions and jobs and all that. And so I, I just don't know what to do at this point and I'm struggling. And then as soon as I found out that university program was gonna be canceled, I realized no one's gonna know who the University of Michigan is, right? They'll know who University of Michigan is, but they're not gonna know who the quant program is because it'll no longer exist. And I didn't know they'd create one later down the road, but anyways, so at that point I thought I need to get out. I need to find a way to get the, get the piece of paper so I can you know check the boxes, go through the process with all the different you know, agile applications, they want to see that you have the degree. But I really need to learn the material to do myself better since I'm paying all this money for this. So I start thinking, right, what other master programs do they have? They have an applied economics degree. I have an economics background. I have a finance background. I've already accepted this quant finance, so financial engineering program at Michigan. I don't think it'll be too hard to get into that. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, the reason I would take this offer now is because it's five core courses and everything else is an elective. And better yet, you take three to four classes full-time, which is a real academic master's, unlike the current financial engineering program, which is five to six classes where they're kind of pushing too much material on you, you're not gonna learn it, and you're in a mad dash to finish in a year and a half. And it's not really being done that well. So at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to apply to the MAE. Luckily, I got into that and I could structure it where I could use my financial engineering courses I'd been taking, make these electives, take my core economics electives, which are actually fairly strong ones for the program in general, focus on microeconomics, macroeconomics, econometrics. And again, these were all taught more mathematically than many other programs I had seen. So it turned out to be a really good fit for me. And then of course, as I graduate, right, I'm unemployed as many are of my financial engineering cohorts and MAE students were uh, back around uh, 2014 when I graduated and I had no idea what to do. So some of the students were just getting like lucky, like they were just putting out resumes and they were getting tons of interviews. And then there were a lot of others of us that were just kind of like stuck, not sure what to do and not getting offers. We're all going to the same master's program but we're not getting the same kind of you know attention from all these different programs, firms, banks, all that. And so again, my story, right, I failed miserably on the resumes. I didn't know what to do. And then I focused down and figured out how to write a better resume that fit the job descriptions of something I wanted to do. So I wrote this resume based on what I wanted to do, not realizing at the time it was statistics. And so writing that resume, putting it together, I got an offer uh, from one bank, Comerica Bank, which is where I took my first job. And then I got a second offer like minutes before Comerica gave me my offer and wanted me to think about it. I was literally driving in a car with my wife down to Ohio to meet with Huntington Bank to talk to them about an interview. And I interviewed and it went really well until I mentioned to them, hey, I have another offer from Comerica Bank. Uh, I'm just letting you know that I have this other offer. I would like for you guys to make an offer. You sound like a good firm to work for. And then the guy in HR and some poor culture there as a whole, which I'm hoping is probably just a bad interaction with a few individuals there, not the actual company's culture, but HR, the hiring manager, uh, took it negatively and basically refused to give me an offer now, even though they wanted me to work there, unless I would guarantee them that I would take their offer without seeing it. 
So, so again, you're back into the situation. How do you make your life better? Uh, again, this is not a perfect situation, right? I didn't get into a massive hedge fund. I'm not a trader. Um, again, my goals had shifted over time. And I think this is part of kind of this life learning lesson here, which is define your goals extremely well at the beginning. And then as you move towards those goals and you need to redefine the goal, don't be afraid to redefine it. You're not a failure for it. Um, you grow and change as a person. And so for me, I realized quant finance has nothing to do with trading. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I wanted to do stats and math and do like actual rigorous research and model development, which is what quants actually do. So to my surprise, traders don't do all that. Um, <laughs> but then I took that job at Comerica and it wasn't right the dream job of going to work like at Two Sigmas or Citadel or something like that. But I landed this amazing job at Comerica where I got trained and I made a great decision to go there. The company culture was amazing. It was a fit. I learned a lot. And then throughout my career, I've had similar situations where you're not going to be handed and given the most perfect optimal option here. So the takeaway, the things I want you guys to really embrace here is realizing you're not always going to have the most perfect, easy path to take here, right? You're not going to have... I don't know, the most utopian experience where like you think somehow you're gonna waltz out there and get like a top degree and then you're gonna go and get an amazing job and it just all lines up that way. And even for people that do that, it seems odd, but they don't really end up hitting the goals they thought they were going to hit because they don't have to work along the way here. And so for a lot of you, right, I want you to have that takeaway that it, it you're gonna have to deviate sometimes. You're not going to get into the school of your dreams. Uh, you might be in a country where it's extremely hard to get an education. And so I mentioned before, I reviewed free versions of quant programs. I've talked about the pros and the cons of these programs. Um, again, you need to define the goal here. Try to be realistic as well, right? So to come to the U.S., to have the freedoms we have, to make as much money as you can make in the U.S., uh, to be successful, you need to embrace the United States kind of way here of basically like hard workers get ahead. But at the same time, right, we typically only hire those that are local and local universities. So you have to realize the hurdle here. You need to get into a U.S. university. You might not get into those top rated universities, but you can get into something that's similar, right? You can get into a good state school. Uh, you can get into the University of Michigan, for example, maybe. Um, find your backup option. Find whatever is feasible for you and don't be afraid to take those options because I see so many people... They're like, well, I can't get into, you know, Columbia. I can't get into Carnegie Mellon. I can't get into NYU. I can't get into Baruch, right? I applied. I couldn't get in. Uh, again, don't be afraid to take another option, even if that option's not as good, right? It's not as an easy path or an easy route. You know, take those options that are challenging and difficult because that's how you get ahead. You can't get ahead just by sitting around, but also be realistic, right? If you say, well, I'm going to go and get a free online degree, and you think you're gonna to come to the US and use it, you're gonna be in a really tough situation of you're putting yourself in a worse situation because we have a limit, we have a bar, you're not gonna get there, right? If not, you gotta figure out a way how to use that degree to leverage a job to get to the US somehow and then find work. It's not impossible, but it's it's <laughs> it's not that common. And I've hardly ever seen it. I've never seen anyone actually with an online degree uh, work in the quant space. So. Knowing your standards, knowing your goals, knowing what you're working towards, but also taking baby steps and getting there. And then to wrap up this podcast episode in general is comparing yourself as the Jordan Peterson rule talks about to yourself and not to others. 
it is extremely easy to look online. Um, if you search trading or quantitative finance, you will find so much nonsense. It'll make your head spin and it makes me super frustrated. But you'll find all these things where it talks about like you go out, you do this easy thing, you get the job, you make millions of dollars. I'm a millionaire trader and life is great and wonderful. <sighs> okay, these are all just showboating things to try to get people to get jealous of you and to get views. If I made videos and talked about making millions of dollars and like, I don't know, I rented a fancy sports car and shot footage of me outside some multi-million dollar home, I would get a lot more views and I could sell you all these miracle statistical models, which we actually do use as stats models, but I could convince you that they were the easiest way to make a million dollars and it's so easy to trade and all you have to do is, I don't know, purchase my class or purchase whatever, give me a bunch of money and I'll make it happen. But that's not how it works in the real world. And I think a lot of times people set these really unrealistic goals of how you think the world is or how you think it's going to turn out. And even for me in my scenario, right, the way I view traders as these really smart individuals who did everything under the sun. They were so smart, they built the strategies, they traded it, they made the money, they got paid. This might've been how it worked way back in the day, but as quant finance has developed, this is not how it's done, it's all split up. And so being realistic on your goals, I think is a crucial aspect here. Trying to define what really makes you happy, I think is challenging. I don't think it's something you can just like think about and go, okay, I give it a few seconds thought, this is what I want. Uh, you need to research, research the job, interview people. I hope my channel is inspiring for many of you that, right, I work in quant finance and the banking side, it's not that stressful. Uh, we make really good money, life is wonderful, but there's also all these really crappy parts of it, which I talk a lot about on the channel and the annoyances of dealing with people. And the industry is not all chalked up of, I don't know, brilliant geniuses, everybody says and you're not gonna be a millionaire overnight, I try to keep things as realistic as possible for you. And I think that's the crucial piece here is, again, looking at yourself, not looking at everybody else. I know, I can get on LinkedIn sometimes as well and look at people and be like, wow, this guy's you know a CEO at the age of, I don't know, 30. But it's hard to realize, okay, well, do I really wanna do that exact job? Would I wanna do my own company? No, not really, that's not what makes me happy. And then it's hard to realize, okay, I'm on my own path, my own journey. And even when you look up to people, so I look up to people like Fisher Black, for example, I don't want to necessarily be him, right? I want to carve my own path and my own, I don't know, goals, my own destiny here and build my own life around what I enjoy doing. I think that's the crucial piece here for a lot of you is that you can do things. You need to compare yourself though to you and look back and say, you know, I don't know. So as an example, I had a subscriber email me and said, hey, I emailed you a few years ago. I took your advice. You know, I want to go from point A to point B. And I, you know, I went to this training. I did this. I took this job and then it wasn't what I wanted. And so I shifted over to this other job. And now I'm in this position and I'm still working towards that. And it's exciting to see that people are doing this, right? You're looking back at yourself going, wow, you know, two years ago or five years ago or whatever, you know, I was in this position and now five years later, I've made all this progress here. And I think that's what you need to focus on to really be happy, especially in the quant realm. Uh, it is really, really easy to look out online. There are so many nonsensical stories of all these people making tons of money and having super success. And yet the majority of them unfortunately are not true. I know it's heartbreaking for many of you thinking that's your goal, but it, it just isn't true for the vast majority of people out there. But again, if you enjoy the process, you enjoy what you're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis, I think you'll be extremely happy. So the takeaway here is definitely going to be to find your goals, look at the progress you're making and work towards them, but realize they're not going to be linear. 
you're going to move around and make different decisions and make the best decisions you can with that long-term goal in mind. It's not going to be an easy, you know, from step A to step B overnight. So anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, until next time.